Hey guys, it's Stephanie and this is Seize the Good, the positive podcast with passionate people. This week, Okan McAllister tells us about his business, which is called Prime Movers. Prime Movers is a program that teaches students about social entrepreneurship and how to make change. He also tells us about some of the super cool social business models that they're working on and how you don't have to choose between doing good and making money. And guess what? Okan is all the way from Vienna, Austria, where Prime Movers is doing amazing things. Check it out. Super excited to have you on the show today. I honestly feel kind of honored that I get to talk to you because I love what you're doing. I love um, Prime Movers and I'm so excited to hear a little bit more about it and a little bit more about what you're doing. So Um, am I. Thanks for having me. So can you give us a brief summary of Prime Movers and what it does? So Prime Movers is a two-year-long leadership program for young people that are passionate about social and environmental change. So they go through a variety of workshops over these two years, uh, which is usually completed alongside their studies. And um, yeah, we cover everything from branding to emotional intelligence and everything in between, a lot of change maker skills. And they apply what they learn in real social businesses that we are creating at the same time. And then after the program, they get a chance to um, be employed in these social ventures or start their own or transition into existing social businesses. Cool. Um, How did you get started in all of this? Tell me your story. Well, I've always had these like two two sides to me that I've always enjoyed. The one being more of the socially cautious side and um, also had this more entrepreneurial side. And I've been going back and forth between these two sides with what I did until my mid-20s. And at the time, I had a startup in marketing, and I was naturally more focused on the entrepreneurship side of things. But then I found out about social entrepreneurship, that it exists. I felt very silly that I did not ever come across it because you always thought that these are binary things. You either do something good or you make money and cannot be both. And after I found out about social entrepreneurship, um, after a couple of weeks, I dissolved my company and I've been focused on social entrepreneurship since. How did you come up with the idea of um, prime movers? Did you know that you wanted to educate young people in specific areas or were you kind of tossing around different ideas and decided that this would be the most successful or the most impactful? Uh, what did you set on on this program? So um, I have been a part of different youth organizations before, uh, but in general, when we look around, people are getting a bit more, um, more and more disillusioned than apathetic. That's uh, the way I like to I like to call it about what's going on outside of their own bubble. So this could be outside of your country. It could also be sometimes even outside of your own neighborhood uh, within your country. And the next generations are kind of taught to confuse lack of know-how with impossibility. So can someone change systems, for example? What can we do and how? How can we go further from just recycling and buying secondhand and all these things that people tell us are impactful? Um, And do we truly understand the problem we're trying to solve? If you're passionate about gender equality, if you're passionate about, you know, environmental protection, do we really understand the problem to its core? And uh, so now we have this leadership program 
because of that. And um, as I mentioned, it's a two-year program covering a lot of changemaker skills. And the goal is to make people believe in that the world is shaped by them. And um, we develop initiator initiators, or as well, we, we call them prime movers, as you also said, by teaching them what the problem is, but also how they could take action systemically. And we would like systems thinking to be the norm for young people that are passionate about change. Yeah, I love it. Can you tell me a little bit more about systems thinking, what it is and how it works? <clears throat> so systems thinking will mean slightly different things to different fields, but it's essentially an attempt to analyze systems by focusing on how the constituents of a system interrelate to each other. So if you think of a system as a network of nodes, let's say, system thinking looks at the relationship between these nodes and how they change over time and how they work in relation to other systems. Uh, the way we try to solve problems right now is very Newtonian. We kind of just um, take a problem and we um, <clears throat> try to kind of break it down into its pieces and then we try to offer solutions to that little piece. The issue is that that little piece is connected to the big piece and that big piece is connected to a million other things. So before understanding how these nodes kind of um, interrelate with each other and how they change and how they can change, um, it's difficult to kind of have a one-size-fits-all solution to any of world's problems. Oh, for sure. That's fascinating. I, in my uh, career, have worked a lot with nonprofit organizations and government entities. I haven't worked a lot with business. And I think that's something that a lot of charities and nonprofits uh, are lacking, our systems thinking. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's really important. And I'm really excited that you are teaching the future generations about social business and kind of how to bring that social impact and, and those, those hard business skills together. So systems thinking is not a word that's tossed around every day. Did you learn a lot from your career in marketing, like a lot of business skills that you realized that, okay, this is what I want to focus on. This is what I want to teach those young people about. Sorry, uh, I think systems thinking is, um, there's system science, and this all comes from that. And this uh, idea of complex problems that you hear a lot with systems thinking come from Ethereum physics, actually, com uh, from complexity theory. But the way that systems thinking is being applied now to other fields like business, and this is something that is relatively up and coming. So for me, it didn't come from the business side of things, uh, although there's a lot of business applications, I think, for systems thinking. You can also like use systems thinking to understand you know, large organizations and where the resistance is and who are the enablers and inhibitors to change, that sort of thing. But uh, for me, it came from just, um, just reading about like, how change could happen. How, how does change happen? You know, how do we go from one thing to the other? Because even though we're kind of taught to, you know, always have this um, kind of the story about this binary system between you versus the system, or if it's just like something you want to change about your administration or something like this. And the picture people like to paint is always this like you against the system. When you say the system, it's just this big thing that you can never change. And it's false. Systems change every day. Systems change all the time. Um, it's just that we don't know how to do it. Oh my God, that's fascinating. I love it. 
So kind of switching gears a little bit, your website says your three focus areas are waste and food waste, gender equality, and digitalization, which are awesome. And I'm super pumped that young people are are learning about these things. Um, but there are so many things in the world that you know, need need attention and that social business could solve. Why did you choose those three areas? Are those three things that you are passionate about or are those things that you feel like have um, the biggest room for growth? How did you choose those three areas? Yeah, so as you said, there are a lot of things going on in the world. The, you just have to, you have to find a focus. That's why we have, for example, waste and not like climate change, for example. That's it's such a giant, uh, giant topic. And um, so it's waste, actually, technically. But um, the waste one came from the fact that in Austria here, it's, you know, it's a rich country and consumption is quite high. And waste is, although there's a pretty good, uh, definitely above average waste management system in Austria, um, the responsible consumption part is, I think, um, lacking a little bit. And also, like, for example, edible food waste is... Uh, significantly higher than the European Union average, and so in this, you see this a lot in in, in richer countries where people have disposable income. That waste is um, people consume uh, a lot more. Uh, gender equality. It was essentially actually the Austria's um, has the second highest gender wage gap, I think, in in Europe, and um, it was heavily influenced by that, uh, but also other things um, in the indexes that uh, they measure here in terms of gender quality. And, um, and of course, these are both cold problems. And digitalization came from the fact that not enough people are doing something about it. And it is one of the most important things that we will have to deal with um, in the future. And it affects directly um, all the other issues or you know, all the other sustainable development goals, for example. And we focus more on um, implications of digitalization on society, like information that you see, media competence, you know, these, uh, you know, fake news now they call it, uh, which is, you know, essentially information that you see in media competence and other things like eco chambers, that sort of thing. So we teach children about this and how to act online and, you know, data privacy of minors. These are all issues that need to be looked into. So it was just a, about finding a focus area. We could have, I mean, I could have chosen a very different focus area as well. I'm more passionate about um, kind of making people believe that things can change uh, for the better and they can facilitate that change that, rather than specific, extreme specific um, topics. Otherwise, there's a lot of things going on in the world that we could be doing something about. Yeah, well, I think that was a great fantastic reasons for why you chose those three um and i honestly really love what you said about how like oh yeah climate change is really important but that's a really big problem that you know it's going to be really hard to tackle let's start with this i love that um yeah i mean so for climate change you need a very large multi-stakeholder dialogue of course it's just also aligned with our resources you know so Right. We are. I mean, of course, waste is also a part of climate change anyway. So it's just and right. when there are other um, other chapters of prime movers, um, they can choose any issue that they like. We focus most on most on the processes and, and creating prime movers, creating initiators, creating people who take the first step. 
And that kind of leads into my next question. So what is next for prime movers? What are, what are, what are your goals? Are you, it sounds like you want to grow more chapters. What else, where would you like to see your business go in the next five years in the next 10 years? What's your dream for this business? Um, we have prime movers and within prime movers, we house three social, uh, businesses. Um, one is called one day. This is a social innovation project. Um, so it's a community, uh, which turns into meetups, which turns into an annual conference. And we form multi-stakeholder dialogue on these three issues by interviewing all of the relevant people in our ecosystem and trying to understand the problem and we focus on the trends between these uh, between the stake stakeholders and provide people with specific questions and challenges uh, in the conference. And then we bring experts to the conference to facilitate some ideas for solutions. And we take on the implementation of some of these solutions. So this is the conference. And in, uh, the next step for this one would be one to create a platform where all of the existing high level uh, meeting outputs. So, for example, there are working groups in the European Commission on food waste and food loss and other things. And they already bring together like 50 NGOs and they meet together once, like four times a year or something like this. And they come up with outputs from all of these meetings to create a platform where all of these outputs are in one place. So all of the United Nations meetings, all of the European Commission working group meetings, they are in one place that is searchable, uh, filterable, and make this information more accessible to the general public, more accessible to social innovators, more accessible to social entrepreneurs. And also plug in some of these outputs directly to the conference uh, to find solutions in terms of social innovation and social business, and then to scale the conference to other countries, um, promoting more of the social innovation model. Uh, and how you can kind of use this use this model to maybe find solutions and uh, making multi-stakeholder dialogue a little bit more popular. Um, so that's that's one day. Um, we have another one called Kinbi, which is a we're trying to build the best case practice for textiles and e-commerce. And we have another one, a social education called Mission Liftoff, where we're trying to integrate education about social issues in every classroom in the world. And we are doing this by converting our existing workshops into specific detailed lesson plans and promoting it to directly to teachers for them to facilitate in their classrooms. Um, so these are some of the plans that we have in the next five years, uh, probably a little sooner than that, actually, because we're like half, half there with some of these projects. But those are some of the plans. Yeah. I love what you're saying. I love the emphasis that you focus on. Um, you know, the, the data and the best practices and things like that, because a lot of people really don't think about that kind of thing when they think about social issues. So you are an amazing entrepreneur, an amazing businessman, an amazing person who's, who's working towards, like you said, making people believe the world is shaped by them. What advice do you have for someone who wants to use business for good or maybe start a social enterprise? I think in terms of skills and advice that, you know, could be make you an entrepreneur or whatever. I think these are these there are a lot of resources online, uh, although I don't share your sentiment. I'm very thankful for your kind remarks. Um, but there's a lot of momentum that entrepreneurship gained over the last years, which is exciting. 
And in turn, there's a lot of momentum that social entrepreneurship also uh, got, which is also very exciting. Uh, but one thing I see a lot, at least um, in my own bubble right now, is that people are trying to create solutions for problems that they don't truly understand. And social entrepreneurship is becoming, at least in my bubble, more and more about cool ideas that might that might have market potential rather than ideas that would actually play a very big role in solving the problem that you set out to solve. Because with entrepreneurship, your goal is pretty clear. Your goal is uh, financial. Right? With social entrepreneurship, you always have this balance between your impact and your financial. And we just like kind of walk this line, uh, which is quite difficult for most social businesses. But I think before you start, you need to really understand the problem that you set out to solve because at the end of the day, the goal of a social business is to solve the problem, right? So in the best case scenario, if you're extremely successful, you shouldn't exist anymore. Right. Problem is solved, right? So yeah, I would say really, really, really try to understand the systemic issues behind the challenge you're trying to solve. And then number two would be um, after understanding the depth and the systems behind the problem you're solving, the second would be to understand who your customers might be. I mean, this you can do with customer interviews. It's a little bit not annoying for most people, but it's extremely necessary, I would say. That's great advice. That's great advice. So I've asked you about a lot of things and you've talked about a lot of uh, amazing topics. Is there anything I haven't asked, but you want to say? Um. Uh, not particularly. I want to thank you for having me, uh, for everyone that has gotten this far also. And if anybody's <laughs> interested in asking questions and learning more about what I do or what we do, um, I do share an insight related to many different things like this every day for the whole year of 2019. So you can just find me on socials. On, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Medium at Okamacalister. And besides that, if anybody's interested in our ventures, we are looking to scale some of them. So you can check that out also at theprimemovers.org and contact us if you're interested in collaboration. Can you guys see why I was so excited to talk to Okan? He's awesome. Brilliant businessman with a big heart for change. You can find links to the Pride Movers website and Ocon's social medias in the show notes. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at stephanie at seizethegood.org or find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Tune in next week for more interviews with believers and doers, movers and shakers, and general world changers.